This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Al Leiter now talks for a living on MLB Network, but if he wasn't working for them, he'd still be talking and talking and talking, one of the great baseball rock on tours of all time was in camp and in fine form yesterday, a guest instructor. But he may as well have been an after dinner speaker. We're going to have some of what Al had to say as he busted balls with the assembled media. We'll have the latest from Buck Showalter. We'll introduce you to a potential fifth outfielder with a big league pedigree. And best of all, as Steve Martin famously exclaimed in the movie The Jerk, the new phone book's here. The new phone book's here. Yes. The Bill James Annual has all the best buried treasures for us Poindexter types in our OptiGrab glasses. What a jam-packed 20-something minutes coming up. Mets in the morning. Mets in the morning. Oh, yeah. Mets in the morning. Gonna tell you what the Mets are doing while your coffee is brewing. Now, here's Josh Lewin. Scootily now. So much to do on a midweek Mets in the Morning podcast. We will get you the manager's media scrum from the visiting dugout in Jupiter. We will get you the Bill James nerd stuff. We will introduce you to a former White Sox outfielder and South Carolina native Daniel Polka. A shame he's not from Philly. Since then, he would, of course, be the Pennsylvania Polka. The Mets did play a game last night and did make a roster move. So let's go there first real quick. They played the Marlins in a spring training night game. Another Lindor home run. His fourth already added a double as well. He's now 9 for 19. Jeff McNeil, a single and double. Starling Marte with a double, a walk, and a steal. James McCann back in the lineup. He had a double. Dom Smith, another RBI. 353 batting average now. Brandon Demo, a home run. Five scoreless innings from Chris Bassett. They were up 10-0 at the seventh-inning stretch and coasted home from there. Before the game, the transaction, Yoan Lopez, the Cuban righty who used to pitch for the Diamondbacks, claimed off waivers by the Mets from the Marlins and assigned a AAA camp. Last year, Lopez mostly a AAA in the Braves system. He pitched to a 3.03 ERA. That would have been his Miami area code, 303, had he stuck with the Marlins. But now he's opening the season in the exact opposite of South Beach, which is, of course, Syracuse, New York. Joey Lucchese, coming off his Tommy John surgery, lobbed onto the 60-day IL. That's the corresponding move. All right, before we get to Al Leiter holding court from yesterday, a little time spent with Buck Showalter doing the same thing. Buck was moved into the shade of the dugout as opposed to standing out by the on-deck circle, and he wondered aloud, what does throwing shade mean? And a bunch of 20-something reporters patiently explained it's like a diss. And with a straight deadpan, the manager asked what a diss is. Come on, Buck. I mean, there's old school, and then there's 18th century Dutch country Amish. But Buck was happy to address whatever questions came his way in the shade of the dugout. Here were a few such questions after he and Al Leiter had driven down together to Jupiter. Do you have any clearer thoughts on this point about four or five men bench, nine, ten men bullpen, how, how you want that to look on opening day? Um, we, our first, uh, well, one of our, our last meeting, I should say, is 
we, we start hitting on that, trying to find where the decisions are going to be, have to be made roster-wise as far as number of pitchers. We're still waiting. I don't think Billy said he really hasn't gotten verification from the league yet. He hears a lot of things and reads yeah, a lot of things. officially announced it, but it sounds... Until you do, so you got to prepare for both still. I don't know what they're waiting on. Is it, was it ownership approval or something? I'm not sure. 28? But, uh, yeah, we've kind of looked at it. Know where the falls with the... I'm sure the people you're talking about, once you get the numbers on the pitching, you know, trying to wait also to see how far Carlos and uh, and uh, Walker can, we feel like they can go coming out of camp, try to construct the bullpen. As a manager, which which luxury do you prefer, kind of having a more diverse bench with guys that can do different things or having the just the deeper pitching pool? You well, you'd like to be able to solve both of them. That's, that's your goal. But, uh, you know, you're always going to err on the side of health and what keeps your guys, especially in the short spring, keeps your team the healthiest. You know, if we knew exactly how many innings everybody was going to go every night, it would be easy to solve. But, you know, there's a lot of things that go into it. You know, the observability of your bullpen. And, you know, somebody said sometime it's not, uh, you know, there's, some people say, it's, is it your best 26 or is it your right 26? Sometimes they may not be the same. With McCann tonight, how many innings or how long do you expect him to catch in his first game back? I think the plan is three to four, two at bats, and then he'll catch again tomorrow. Then he'll be off. Gotcha. That's the plan. I think you see uh, Starling get out there a little longer tonight. Try to get uh, Gio there at third base. Some he needs to see a look over there. You know, people think that just because a guy plays infield, he just go play anywhere. You know, Eric was talking to me about it when he was playing some first base when he first came over to the Yankees, and you know. They said, well, you can go play third base anytime. He goes, no, that's not the case. you got to go over and get, get the angles. That's what Starling is starting to understand the angles and the ball coming off the bat out there, trying to get a look at it. Smitty's out in left field, so keep our maneuverability going. Is Marte going to be your opening day right fielder? I hope so. I hope so. I hope he's in our outfield. Right field, that's where we're leaning. How was the car ride with Mr. Leiter to Jupiter? How'd you know? We heard things. Ooh. Where are you? Uh, pick a lane, Al. <laughs> in, in the car or in the conversation? That's <laughs> <laughs> another one, yeah. I wish I'd have said that. <laughs> I'm no, Shavi was over there like, everyone said, he looked back at me and go, <laughs> I says, quit talking to him. It's impossible. Mm-hmm. Who drove to decaf tonight? That's what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Al, pick a lane. Yeah. Oh, right. <laughs> How excited are you, though, just to have to go back already? after the no, game? No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> dark, in the dark? To be alive? That's throwing shade. <laughs> yeah, there, you did it. Way to go. I'm driving back. <laughs> to, have, to have him in camp. Oh, he's, been, he's great. And we all love Al. I've known him since he was 19 in Oneana. But he, uh, players love him. You can tell that you know, he's got no ego. He uh, loves the Mets. He, uh, he's got great memories and stories from his time here, and he's, uh, he's fun to have around. And he's got something to offer. I've seen him having some serious conversations. He's engaged. He's not here to, to kiss babies and sign autographs. He's here to do both. But he'll kiss your baby if you want to. <laughs> All right, so driving Miss Daisy and driving Mr. Buck, not exactly the same thing. But Al Leiter casually rolled through his midday interview session with the top down, so to speak. That's how he rolls. A far-ranging bowl session that was a lot of fun to be around. Here you go. Buck invited you this year? Yeah. Directly? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm Billy. I, I've known Billy for years. I'm, I like Billy. Um, and then Buck, you know, likes the idea of having 
some uh, connection with franchises past yeah. and history and tradition and legacy and all that. Mm-hmm. Certainly, um, I'm sure his time with the Yankees, but he carried it over to to the other teams he managed as well. Mm-hmm. So, appreciative of that. Yeah, looked like you've had a couple conversations with Degrom. Is that just talking shop, or are you talking about anything in particular? Yeah, no, I, I love Jake. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know what? I I, I I use him as an example of uh, of what it's supposed to look like for you know pitching and mechanics and whether I'm talking to high school kids, college kids, minor league kids, big leaguers. He is the benchmark. So. With my son, who uh, is with the Rangers, like I, I do a lot of references of, of uh, Jake's delivery. And something just came up. We were talking about, I was talking something about how he was holding the ball, and then it led to something else. And I got a bunch of snapshots and stuff that I'll, I'll do with him and some comparisons of other pitchers in the past that I like. And, um, you know, I share it with my son. But even, you know, I, I, I do coaching at different levels of, of uh, kids. It's perfect. Like, his, honestly, if like you have a kid and you want to, like, have a delivery, Jacob DeGrom. Not just because he's really good. The delivery is solid. Uh, having covered you well, I think you have a lot more common with Max Scherzer than uh, Jake. <clears throat> I, uh, I did have a nice little uh, time with uh, Max yesterday. And, um, yeah, he gets me and I get him. <laughs> I, you know, at the network, I say, because I, I, I have them do all sorts of, like, um, you know, creative stuff. When I do, like, breakdowns on Max, I'm like, put fire coming out of his hair and, like, flamethrower, you know, like he's, um, yeah, you, you, no. like to, you like to storm around a little. I, 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 I relate more to that, which, I don't know, he's made it work better than I did, but I, <laughs> you know, as, as we often say, I guess, as players or as a pitcher, there's a guy in the box that's trying to take food off your table. I mean, it's like the whole mentality, like in me against you. And he, you know, he has the, uh, the look and the presence of, of something that I always liked, yeah. Well, you know, I said, half the time I didn't even know. Like, people said, why are you biting your glove? I'm like, I did? Like, you know, I was so, yeah, I couldn't help it. Like, it wasn't prescribed. I just, yeah, no, I, I like, I don't think you knew half well, the you, things that you did when you were No, around, no. So. And you knew, David. Like, I just, yeah. Is it cool, Al, that you've got, I mean, a lot of these really young guys, they know you from your work on TV more than they know Al Leiter, the pitcher, yeah. which is weird, right? Yeah. But I mean, but in a, in a way, is that a good thing that like they kind of know that you've got this pulpit that you've been preaching from anyway, and, and so that you're recognizable to them? I, I think so. I, I, you know, I, I mean, every year as it gets further away from my last year, it was uh, spring of 06. So, what am I got the gazette? Is that 15 years? 16, 15. 16, 15. No. Yeah, I mean, it's. 06, 14, guys. Nope, 16. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we're 22 now. I'm the same way. We lost. We lost two years. We lost two years. Yeah, we did. Um, no, it is true. It is true. Um, obviously, I mean that's 15, 16 years ago, right? So the guys that are playing now, they don't remember me, right? I mean, they might occasionally like, who's the guy? Let me Google him. What kind of player was he? But uh, so the tell, and that's what that's what I have enjoyed at MLB Network. The stu- like, I go in if I'm doing a show with whomever is I'm always thinking about, like, there's a little leaguer out there, there's a parent out there. Like, our most compli- our best compliments are like, hey, that was really cool when you showed the slider thing or whatever. And so I'm always, like, in a kind of a teaching mode. Mm-hmm. And I don't want the guys to ever think, not that I do it for that reason, but to think that I'm, like, 
like a jerk, like just coming in, mailing it in, cliches. You know, I, I want I want some meat on the bones. You know, I want I want like a meat because I get a lot of good response from like, man, that thing you did with the whatever. Um, so I, I do meaningful breakdowns, and I'm, I find out from guys that either I played with or against or coaches or players, like, you know, not all of it, but they're like, hey, that was really good. It yeah. resonates. Yeah, yeah, it was good. You know, and that, I, that's what I want to do. Yeah, yeah, that's fun. So, yeah, these guys know me as, I guess. <laughs> yeah, 606. Six, oh, your, your TVL. I guess. You were, a, you were a pretty quick worker from what I remember from watching you pitch. What, what's your thought about an incoming pitch clock and some of the things that Steve might Steve Traxler used to get pissed off at me. <laughs> Traxler, I was like, oh, my God, Traxler, what do you mean? Your game's a lot of mine. I said, I got the ball and threw it really fast. I just threw a shit ton of them. <laughs> I was like, throw it again, throw it again. Three, two, three, two, a lot of pitches. But, no, it is true. I, I, I got the ball because I felt David Cohen taught me that. Uh, I remember uh, playing with Coney in Toronto. And I would watch. I was always watching the other guys, you know, seeing, hey, what's he doing? How's he doing? And Coney uh, in Toronto, he would sit closest to that side because we went up to the clubhouse like this. And as soon as the last out, we made the last out, David got his glove and ran out. And he was always the first guy out there waiting. I was like, Coney, that's pretty cool. He goes, yeah. He goes, one, the umpire appreciates it. You better get your catcher out there. And then the other team sees this, this, this eager dude on the mound. And you press the hitter. Like, this whole thing is, um, I, I, it'll be curious to see how this plays out, but hitters, hitters have their time mechanism, too. So I'm going to take it as, if I'm a pitcher, I'm like, guys, you're going to mess their timing up because they're doing all their stuff. So if I'm pressing and they're trying to get time out and all that, I used to have a cue, and I think I used to do it with Derek Jeter and a few other guys that would always do the timeout thing um, with when Piazza was behind the plate. If I started my delivery, it was going to be... I threw a cutter, but it, it varied in speed and break and all this. And, uh, and Mike would look up, and if I thought the guy was jerking around, I would just throw the ball. And Mike would look up, and as soon as he saw delivery, no sign, he knew it was going to be a cutter. But it was a way to, like, you know, hey, let's go. Let's go. I say Derek, because Derek always did the timeout thing. <clears throat> I'm standing there, I'm waiting. I'm like, what are they getting timeout for? I'm ready to throw. <laughs> so it, I, what I don't like about it is that it is such a mental game. Like, you don't want a guy to uh, have it to be deficient as a result of not being comfortable where his mindset is. So uh, I don't know what the number is. What do they say, in 18, 19 seconds? I think in minor leagues it's 14 and 19 if there's a guy on base. Yeah, I, I just hope it's enough. Like, you don't want that to be, like, where guys are all getting jacked up because they, you know, they just don't have enough time on every pitch. That would be bad. There was 25 more minutes of Al Leiter holding court. Sadly, we got to move along. Uh, we will get you more some other time with the pride of Toms River, New Jersey. But uh, right now, the Greenville, South Carolina native who is trying to stick as a spare outfielder, Daniel Polka, one-time rambling wreck of Georgia Tech, 29 career big league home runs and about 500 at-bats, decent numbers. Here's a few minutes with outfielder Daniel Polka trying hard to get back to the show as a match. about Daniel Polka, who's uh, a really cool dude, number one, but uh, number two uh, has some skins on the wall in terms of what he's accomplished in the big leagues already. Uh, biggest thing for you, though, I think, is you got daddyhood coming up. Congratulations on that. you got to be excited. Yeah, I'm, I'm ecstatic. Me and my wife, it was, it was a total surprise, but, man, we couldn't be happier right now. Uh, little girl in July, I guess you're saying? Yep, due, due date July 1st. We're shooting for July 4th. 
Maybe America, baby. <laughs> nice. Uh, what's picked out yet? I don't want to be nosy and ask about a name, but do you have like the room set up? I mean, what, what do you got going? I mean, yeah, we've got we got everything set up. I'm a Google review expert now, <laughs> thanks to my wife. So luckily, we we got all that stuff taken care of before we came down the spring. So let me take you back, since we're talking family a little bit here. Uh, Big family, strong family for you to to discuss? Uh, yeah, I mean, my parents, I mean, we're all kind of spread out right now. My, my brother lives in uh, Massachusetts, my sister lives in St. Louis, and then I'm in Atlanta. Wow. So I got my parents about an hour and a half, two hours down the road in South Carolina, and then uh, Emily, my wife's family, they're in Arizona and Vegas. They're slowly spreading out, so... We're not sure where our permanent home is going to be, but we get to we get to travel a lot to see everybody. So let me ask you about Greenville, South Carolina, which is a really cool minor league ballpark, by the way, for people that have never been there. Uh, they built kind of a, a mini Fenway kind of thing going there with a big wall and all of that. And, uh, Greenville's an underrated, fun town, college town, right? And, and I would imagine it's a fun place to grow up. Absolutely. Um, when they when they build that stadium, I think it really revamped the city and like especially that area it was it was not you know anything like it was today they they built all kinds of parks in downtown and it was it was kind of a dying city and then all of a sudden that team came in and that whole west side was just brand new buildings it's it's really beautiful now you go to georgia tech from there and you dominate at georgia tech you're a college baseball american and for those uh, Met fans that aren't aware, Michael Conforto was on that list at that point. Kyle Schwarber, Chris Bryant, Mitch Garver. I mean, that, that was a good crop coming out. Did you feel like, and this is going to come out wrong, I'm sure, not that you didn't belong with that group because obviously you were a stud in high school too, but did you know that the company you kept was that strong? Yeah, I, I mean, I played against all those guys in the summers and um, I played with a lot of those guys in college summers and I mean, when you, the, those dudes that go to the Cape, you kind of, you always remember, it comes up every spring training, we always talk about, it's just a different atmosphere up there, and um, you get to know everybody, it's it's really fun, because you play against dudes that you never see, like guys on the West Coast that we never even think about, and then all of a sudden we're like, man, who's this dude, right, where right. he come from? <laughs> so, you get going in your professional career, and look, I mean, it's Arizona, and it's Minnesota, and it's Washington, and it's overseas. I mean, you got this travelogue thing going now. Do you see that as a, as a blessing? Like, I've gotten to meet a lot of great people and see a lot of great things, or is, or do you look at it like, man, why couldn't I have had the Cal Ripken career, right? Just you know, I'm with one team for 28 years or whatever. Yeah, I mean, that would that would be nice, but uh, I mean, I can't complain about the road I've had. Um, you know, I'm just blessed to have a job every year, and I've, I've never had a stop that I didn't like. So, you know, I've, I've always had great groups of people in my corner with every Oregon. I mean, it, it feels the same way here, so I'm loving it. The uh, the choice to go overseas. Can you take me back through that, and how did you enjoy it? Um. Well, I was. I had. I wasn't on the practice squad with the. White Sox, and I wasn't in the big leagues, so I was just kind of in limbo. Yeah, and I couldn't couldn't really get my release. Um, so I mean, I sat at home, you know, getting ready for whatever I was getting ready for. You know what I mean? Like we didn't know what was going on, and um, all of a sudden, finally, a, an injury happened in Korea, and they bought out my contract. And we 
took off ASAP. Yeah. Um, culturally, how did you fit over there? Did you, I mean, was it enjoyable? or? Yeah, I loved it. Um, I mean, it was, the country is amazing. There's so much respect for everybody, and it's just, it's a lot different than here. Like, it's just small things. It's, I'm so happy to have experienced it. Um, I mean, me and my wife would go back in a heartbeat. We always talk about, like, how fun, how much fun we had. Really? Um, well. We didn't get as much time there as we wanted, you know, having to wait to get bought out and everything and only being there for about a month and a half. But, dude, it was it was absolutely awesome. Last one for you, uh, your, your White Sox experience. For those that don't remember, I mean, there, there was a time where you were, I mean, beyond, like, a fan favorite. I mean, people really dug the whole Polka experience. They, why do you think you connected as well as you did with those fans? Um, you know, I mean, I... The White Sox being on the south side, like, I'm, I'm never really, I'm not, like, a flashy guy or anything. Like, I think people know my work ethic, and, you know, that's why I'm still around and have made adjustments and everything, and I, I think I just fit in very well with that that culture over there. The kind like, of lunch pail kind of thing. Those, yeah, those type of fans, and, like, I really enjoyed being around those those type of people because, I mean, I, I feel like I'm completely relatable. Completely relatable, not even debatable. Very much appreciate Daniel Polka. By the way, tomorrow we'll get back to some front office insight for you. Assistant GM Ian Levin will be our spotlight interview tomorrow. We'll follow his impressive ascent from intern to right-hand man of Sandy Alderson and Billy Epler. But next, the highlights gleaned from inhaling the 600 pages of the Bill James 2022 Statistical Bible. That's coming up next. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Well, Bill James is the foremost authority and essayist on deep dive stats, a veritable Jacques Cousteau when it comes to baseball esoterica. And from this book, I flagged the following, just a very small taste today. We'll do more of this later on. But the Mets, 77 and 85 last year, exactly the same as the Tigers. Tigers who spent two days in first place, it's 112 fewer than the Mets did, only to careen down the mountain. Some hitting notes. The Mets had only 228 doubles, second fewest in the National League. They also had the second fewest triples, only 18. I think both those numbers will go much higher this season. They're on base percentage, 314. Sounds horrible. Actually, the league average was 318, which was really poor across the board. Want to give you some defensive numbers. The Mets' 95 errors were third most in the National League. Their 52 throwing errors were most in the majors. The Mets were the very rare team with more throwing errors and fielding errors. Milwaukee, the only other National League team who could say that. Could a better scooping first baseman help that? Is that something Keith Hernandez is working on with Pete Alonso? At third base, the Mets were a minus 15 defensive run saved. Only the Royals were that bad as well. The Rockies were a plus 25, and that was without Nolan Arenado. The Mets at third base last year were kind of compromised by J.D. Davis. He was a minus 7 on defensive runs saved. And over the last three years, worst in baseball, a minus 24, ahead of Rafael Devers' minus 22. So welcome to town, Eduardo Escobar. 
Overall, though, the Mets showed us a better-than-average defensive team last year. Plus 48 runs saved. The Phillies were dead last at minus 54 and got worse in that regard for this year, it looks like. Center field was a strength for the Mets last year, a plus five. Maybe that's why it looks like Starling Marte is ticketed for right as a Met instead of center. Anyway, I could go on and on, but as the music plays us off, that is a taste of the goodies you get from the Bill James Annual. We'll spill a few more on you tomorrow. For now, that's it. Eight days away from go time, we leave with a salute to our Mets in the Morning house band, all of them guys who played with Al Leiter back in the day. On keyboards, Mike Bordick. Slapping to bass, Lenny Harris. The horn section, Rick White. And on drums, Dave Malicki. This is Josh Lewin, your fun-sized podcaster, inviting you to hit me up on Twitter, at Josh Lewin Stuff. Inviting you to leave a positive review, if you wouldn't mind. We always love those. And please do keep on listening to this little project we like to call Mets in the Morning. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based champion championship team.